Throw your album, guys. Yeah. 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 Go Eagles. Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy and George Hook from the Emerald Isle. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours, AFIA Sports Training Group, The Balanced Palette, and the Rugby 100 Club. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up at the Fantasy Sports Network studios on West 35th Street. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the phone. We are not in New York. We are a global rugby show, and we are on location at the MCAST studios in Dublin at the Irish Daily Mail HQ, ladies and gentlemen. And I have the pleasure of being with international rugby legend, Mr. George Hook. George. Mr. McCarthy, good to be to have you in Ireland, where no doubt the McCarthys left centuries ago to bring you uh, to America. Desmond McCarthy, uh, according to my grandfather, lost the Blarney Castle in a poker game, but we will talk about that at dinner. All right. All right. Great to be here. Uh, you know, you're reaching out and facilitating this special treat for Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you, sir. No, not at all. But it, the, the thing is, why we're here, of course, is because the U.S. Eagles were in town on Saturday playing Ireland. We do. There was a match. Uh, I, 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 I had the Eagles uh, within 22 points, I think, in my prediction on the match, around a few pints. Uh, it didn't work out that way. It was 24-14 at halftime. And then the floodgates opened. All right, I, I can explain it all to you. Go right? ahead. First, it's the second best team in the world, Ireland, against the 13th best team in the world, America. That's about 50 points in my view, all right? The second thing is, you've got to look at the American performance. They're 13th in the world. This is the best they've ever been. It's the best test match run they've ever had. Let's not suddenly say, woe is me, we've been beaten by Ireland. That's point one. However, I coached uh, in 1987 World Cup with uh, the Eagles. And what was our weakness in 1987? Why? When we could have pulled it off against England, it would have been the biggest surprise in, of all time. Why could we not? We couldn't scrummage and the out half couldn't kick. What happened on Saturday? 30 years later, the U.S. Eagles can't scrummage and the fly half can't kick. <laughs> and when they did kick from uh, out half or scrum half, why kick to Ireland? Why give the ball away? Like the ball is hard won. You've got, you got guys breaking their butts to win the ball. And then they've got some, as we in Ireland would say, some Egypt kicking the ball away and giving it to Ireland. So... Over 30 years, we haven't fixed those two fundamental problems. You have a forward talking about backs here, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't caught that. And, and I'm sure that you're not exactly fond of a back when he's kicking the ball to the opposition, but you're right. And, you know, we talked about the difference between now and 1987. Maybe there's a similar problem, but it's definitely on the front foot in the, the, the level of play for USA Rugby at this point, because as you mentioned, Ireland, third, uh, first, first in the world, maybe their second 
some third side players, but they're still exceptional players. And Gary Gold of Team USA mentioned the depth, an unprecedented right. depth for Ireland. The strength of depth in Irish rugby at the moment is just ridiculously healthy. Um, you know, for Joe to have rested you know, 14 starting guys last week and pick a handful of guys who, you know, haven't even played in the combinations that, that happened this week is, is, is a massive credit to not only Joe and his coaching staff, but I think just to the, the healthy state of, of rugby in Ireland at the moment. Uh, if you look at Ireland now, um, we're one of the smallest rugby-playing nations on earth. It's only five million people on the island, as opposed to our neighbours, where there are 50 million people live there. So therefore, we've always looked at England particularly and said, they've got depth, right? We have it. What has happened is extraordinary that we've got depth, sort of three guys for almost every position. Right. And that is amazing. And, and that's why um, we can look with confidence to performing well in the World Cup. I, if you want to ask me, not to win it, but to perform very well. But that's another program. Um, thing is that you focus on the US here. The right. US have done extremely well. But if they don't have a scrum and they can't kick the ball, and I suggest they're not fit enough, because the difference between the first half and the second half indicates, Dr. Watson, that uh, they're not fit enough. Yeah, well, you know, we were, we were without A.J. McGinty, arguably one of our best players, and, and an Irishman, in case any of you might not have known that at home. Uh, we have problems at 9-10, and it didn't help that Joe Talafete, arguably our most dynamic player as a hooker, went down with the head injury. He gave us the thumbs up as he was wheeled off. But I think that took a lot of wind out of the sails of the Americans. Plus, they were asked to tackle and tackle and tackle. And then they were foolish with the ball when they had it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that every country has a, a tradition of the way it plays. Every country, right? And, and don't knock U.S. tradition. U.S. tradition is, is, in the other, is in the cousin of rugby union football, gridiron. So Americans love tackling. It's always been, it's part of their DNA. So the fact that Americans hit hard, the fact they have to tackle, that, that's going to be part of this, of American teams into the future, that they're going to hit hard. Um, I thought they did it extraordinarily well, I have to say. Um, I really thought they did very well. And I'm hugely positive about the USA. They are now ahead of Italy. Italy are, are a six nations country and America two spots higher. And we're now Don't 12, by them. the way. We're 12. We were 13 going into that match. And despite the thrashing, we're up to 12 today so for the first time. Yeah. Don't knock it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up you earlier on a rugby wrap-up show, I think this summer, when you mentioned that you weren't exactly a fan of Joe Schmidt, and we have a little bit of a clip on that. There has never been a luckier coach ever, to co amateur or professional, to coach Ireland. I mean, if there was any justification about how Ireland are playing and how their opponents are playing, Ireland would have one win against Italy and two losses. Uh, so I'm confident that he will go out, win the Grand Slam, uh, a press corps in Ireland that are terrified to say a word against him will uh, 
uh, elevate him to Pope Francis levels, uh, and he will go on to greater things, I have no doubt. How about now? Uh, I quarrel with your question. You said I'm not exactly a fan of Joe Smith. I dropped the exactly. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of Joe Smith. Now let me tell you why I'm not a fan. I'm a Victorian, really. You know, I'm old, but I'm also in my head a Victorian. So, Figuratively, folks, because he wasn't around right. during the Victorian era. But I era. don't think winning is everything, all right? My problem with Schmidt is that I think history will judge him harshly because the game he plays is very hard on players. It's attritional. And I care about young men. We've seen what's happened with the NFL in terms of traumatic brain injury. So my care is for the players. And I'm not sure that the way we play is in the best interest to the health of the players. I also don't think, funny enough, he's a great selector. Because if you look at Ian Madigan, who for many listeners, who the hell is Ian Madigan? The reason they're saying who the hell is Ian Madigan is he's playing in England because at a time when we needed him, Schmidt just wouldn't pick him. So he went down to South Africa. He could have won a series in South Africa had he brought young Ringrose, who we saw in South Saturday, so magnificent against the U.S. Eagles. He didn't bring it. So I think there are questions, and I'm the only one asking it. There's four and a half million saying he's great, and there's me saying he's not great. All right, I'm going to beg to differ with you. I'm going to say if history looks back on Joe Schmidt in a negative way, it's going to be New Zealand history that looks back on him in, neg in a negative way. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with more international test rugby with Mr. George Hook after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Gentlemen, first of all, congratulations on a great run. You guys have had some exciting rugby. It's what a lot of people might not realize. It's your first loss in, in a test match as coach of Team USA. And you played the best team in the world, despite the fact that they had a changeover in some of the rosters. So it's a great experience for you guys. You have the MLR now, a pipeline that can perhaps develop key positions for you guys. How, does that, how do you look at that coming out in the future? Saying that Joe asked me a question earlier about how many of our guys 
are not actually full-time contracted. And again, you know, not a lot of people realize that. And a handful of guys who are still at university in America or playing at a local club without a contract. Um, and, and, you know, an, an event like this is a huge occasion, you know, for many of our young guys. And so we'll, we'll learn from that. But, but, you know, we can only play who, who we've got in front of us. And, you know, from our point of view, we just very, we're very grateful that, you know, we are starting to get these kind of games and playing against quality opposition like this. And, um, and uh, you know, I think it will only do, do, do us a huge amount of good. But the MLR is a, is a critically important factor because the more of our guys that get weekend, day in, day out, rugby conditioning, understanding, rugby IQ, you know, the better they're going to be as rugby players. You know, having them sit, sit around for three months not having rugby is, is particularly detrimental to us. Hey everybody, we are back. Matt McCarthy and Mr. George Hook at the MCAST studios in Dublin. The HQ for the Irish Daily Mail, our satellite studio for Rugby Wrap-Up. George, is it a necessary evil for a Tier 2 nation like the Eagles to go through this kind of thrashing? Well, it's not an evil, but it's necessary. Because how do you improve? Like, you don't improve by playing people who are worse than you. You improve by playing people who are better than you. Every eagle, I think, who went on that pitch on Saturday, if he's real, and they are, he'll say to himself, that's what I want to be. Yeah. That's what I want to be able to do. And Eagles Wing is saying, looking at the way Conway supported, at times when I thought it was amazing the way he supported, most people would have sort of said, well, I won't bother, it's all over, he was there. Um, prop forwards will say, I want to be able to scrummage like those guys, and so on, and so on, and so on. Look at the positives, though. Super Eagles line-out, I thought. Great mall to get a penalty try. So there's a lot of positives. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I agree with you. I, I think you've got so to play these matches. Needed. Right. There is a, a thing that bothers the hell out of me, and I'm going to say hell. It's my show, okay? Um, the laws of rugby say that one has to tackle in a certain way, but they don't apply to a certain fly half for England, specifically when... It's in these international test matches at critical junctures. Owen Farrell. Yeah, Farrell has been, I, I mean, I think he's been extraordinarily lucky because since the day he came on the international stage, uh, putting it politely, he's been very aggressive. And it, is, it has been his nature that many of his tackles are just a little bit late. He's ready to have a row at the drop of a hat or whatever. But what he's done... In, in, in two games now against South Africa and against Australia is as soon as it happened in live action in South Africa and as soon as it happened in against Australia, you said that he's gone. He, he doesn't, makes no attempt to wrap with his arms, as the law says. He just hits people and he gets away with it. Now, how you get away with that? Um, when there's a TMO, I mean, I get live action. It happens in a second, the referee makes a mistake. But now you've got a guy sitting up in the studio who can play it 27 times right. from 27 angles, and Farrell gets away with it. It is time, and I've thought this for a long time, to get rid of TMO. Just get rid of it. Why do you need the TMO? Well, okay, what's the plus? The plus is that... It, you know, a try was denied when the video allows it, or whatever, or it was a forward pass, and now we know. The thing is, so what? 
Like word, the, the the world is in no fair place, right. and and for a hundred years we the referee made mistakes, and we cry in our beer afterwards, and we say if only, if only, if only. What is now happening is huge tranches of of the game are taken up, waiting for the TMO to make a decision. Once upon a time, you could go in my case to Lansdowne Road, set my watch in. 90 minutes, this match is going to be over. An 80-minute match plus 10 minutes at halftime. Now it's two hours, and it'll get longer and longer and longer. What you now have is you have created cowardly referees. No referee now will make a decision, and even with TMO, he still can't make a decision. And it's not just Farrell, although he's the prime uh, person that we're talking about here. This has happened over the season, where we have seen it. So scrap the TMO, or else actually use it. You know, if we want other nations and people that we're introducing to the sport, you know, we do this in America, they're not rapping. You got the TMO, you're, you're reviewing it. It wasn't called by the referee on the field, which was mind-boggling. They've got the best seat in the house. They missed it. What's it say to the new fan that's watching the game? There's such a disparity. Yeah, interestingly, America has the answer to this because in, in, in gridiron, in football, I I know you have two referees. Yeah. I think scrap the TMO and have two referees. Now you're going to get, you're going to get more fluent decision-making and you're going to get the whole thing happen. But like the one thing, um, because mostly the better parts of this show were actually in the pub earlier on, yeah. so we don't want to lose some of the best stuff. You're, like all good Americans, you're worried about money. The whole cabal with the, all these these uh, top nations that say that, uh, hypocritically, they say that they want the smaller nations and the minnows to rise and everybody will rise with them. Well, they don't They don't split the gate. You know, if USA is playing, if, if, if Ireland is playing Tonga on Saturday, that's not selling out of Aviva. It's selling out with the Eagles there because Irish wanted to see the Americans get smashed, probably, right? But where's the sharing of the gate in these huge matches? Well, well, why should we share the gate with you, right? Contrary to what you think, 55,000 people are in the stadium to see Ireland, principally because in order to buy New Zealand tickets, they had to buy the American tickets as well. So therefore, a sellout New Zealand means a sellout USA. The second thing is, when you arrived, or when the Eagles arrived over here, we put you in a really good hotel, we bought you three square meals a day, and we put a bus under your backside, and so on, so on, so on. We're the host nation, we take the money, you're the visitors, that's point one. But point two is the most important thing. Why should the major nations create a situation where they might be replaced by the tier two nations? Why should Scotland vote for a system that might have America replace them in the top tier? Why would a turkey vote for Thanksgiving? It's the same system. The, the tier one nations, they, they put up good PR, but they're not going to vote for a system that has them replaced. Okay, people had to buy those tickets in advance. We don't owe you a piece of the gate. Beer sales. How much beer was sold because the U.S. was there instead of Tonga? That money is gone just to one squad, right? If it's sports entertainment and we truly want... The minnows to rise, you got to give them some money. But, but a Japanese saying, player getting $13 a day, a Samoan player playing at Twickenham when yeah, the, right. the English okay. players, come on. Okay. Right? Right. 
Okay, we agree to differ. That's what right, this is We agree to differ. That's right. beautiful. All right, let's segue into our final topic. Yeah. Uh, this proposed 12-team international test kind of league that's uh, Bill Beaumont and Gus Pichot uh, proposing... What do you think about that? Is that well, turkeys on Thanksgiving? No, no. I mean, the game of rugby, proper rugby, probably has ten years left um, of survival before it becomes like football in America. Three hundred and fifty million people live in America, and you have a thousand footballers. Everybody else is sitting eating potato crisps and drinking beer on their sofa watching it. Now we have rugby has a tradition of participation. So if you look at the great clubs in this country, Black Rock or Belvedere or Mary's, 20 years ago, they put 13 teams in the field. Now they're struggling to put three teams in the field. They, they, that's the big problem. Professionalism, now what they want to do is they want to create a tier of the amateur game which is semi-professional. Why would I, working in the insurance office 9 to 5 Monday to Friday, who goes for a run in my park for on a Tuesday and Thursday, then I go out against Saturday yeah. against the pros, a gym rat, yeah. and is trained seven days a week. So what will actually happen is less people will play, not more. Now, the, the rugby union will say, there's more people playing, and there are. Who are they? First of all, they're children. As we saw at halftime, there's tons of nine-year-olds playing the game. But also, what they're playing is a game you call flag rugby, we call tag rugby, where you run around with a towel hanging out of your shirt, and somebody, when they pull the towel, you're tackled. If only had it been around in my day. It's mixed, there's men and women. There's tons of drink, and there's no tackling. Yeah. Would I have played that game? You bet your butt. And that's why all over the country they're playing tag rugby, but they're not playing rugby. The game is under its greatest threat in history. And one more, sevens. The greatest mistake they ever made was to put sevens into the Olympics. Because of course you can play sevens, and the Olegion can play sevens, as long as he can run 100 metres in 10.3. No rocks, no, no lineouts, no scrums worth talking about. Just run. So what you're going to see is sevens is going to ease into the 15-side game internationally. American sevens gets more money from the Olympics than American 15s does. So the biggest threat to the game is actually in your country, none of mine. All right. We sensibly are no good at sevens. First of all, I don't disagree with some of the stuff that you said other than the fact that I don't believe you for a second that you would have prefer, preferred touch or flag rugby over the rugby that you played on the pitch and the rugby that I played on the pitch because you have the war stories. There's nothing better, ladies and gentlemen, than walking off a rugby pitch under your own volition other than walking off a rugby pitch under your own volition after a win on any level, Mr. Hook. Would you agree? No. He's lying. Because He's I lying. Now, I come from that generation who the presentation brothers, when I went to school, they told me that interlocking fingers with a girl was wrong. So therefore, I had no experience with girls. If there had been tag rugby that I could have played rugby with girls, I would have played in a heartbeat. It would have changed my entire life. I would have been a totally <laughs> different old man. Yeah, and you wouldn't be sitting here with an unbelievable resume on camera and the only man in Ireland right now that is happy that... Joe Schmidt is just stepping down after the Rugby World Cup. But okay, quickly before we break, Owen, uh, Owen Mr. Owen Farrell's uh, father, Andy, taking over for Ireland. Quick thoughts. 
I don't know. I, I really don't because um, the, the thing is, if we, if we have the players that we have now, and we have to replace them, obviously, over a period of time, then if we have that depth, then the coach becomes less important, strangely enough. I mean, it's very easy to be coached to a good team. Yeah. It's very hard to be coached to a bad team. You know, Gold would be a much better coach if he was coaching Ireland. He'd be much more successful. Similarly, most New Zealand coaches are successful because the team wins all the time. So, if he's got good players, but he's got to replace Sexton a fly half, he's got to replace Healy at loose head, you know, and you can go through the numbers and suddenly he's got, down the line, he's got replacement problems. All right, well, a lot of nations would love to have those kinds of problems. I'm just, I can't wait for him to be the head coach because he's a rugby league guy and then I think everybody has to grow a mullet uh, in, in uh, tribute to that rugby league uh, history. But Mr. Mr. Hook, we are officially out of time in our MCAST Dublin studios at the headquarters of the Irish Daily Mail, our satellite studio here in Ireland. And thank you and to Irish Rugby Tours for making this happen. Great to have you. The McCarthy's of Munster, I think, were kings. So you come with a heady profile. On behalf of Desmond McCarthy and Mr. George Hood, I'm Matt McCarthy signing off from Dublin for Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.